Welcome to the Southside Sermons Podcast. I am Christopher Campbell, pastor of Southside Baptist Church, located in Decatur, Alabama. This message you're about to hear is from God's Word and is offered to you with this prayer that God would give you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to obey His Word. May your faith be strengthened in Jesus, and may you grow in your knowledge of Him. The first chapter of Exodus introduced us to two Hebrew midwives who feared God. Remember, Pharaoh had commanded that all male children born to the Hebrews were to be killed by these midwives. But the midwives disobeyed Pharaoh and did not do what Pharaoh commanded because these midwives feared God. We observed that in the text of Scripture, God did not send an angel in any way to appear to these midwives. God did not give them a command or promise them certain blessings if they disobeyed Pharaoh. These midwives did what they did and disobeyed Pharaoh for no other reason than that they feared God. And as such, we were challenged to consider how God is to be feared. If God never gave us a command or an instruction or a promise or an outcome, we are still compelled to obey God and serve God because God alone is to be feared. When we say that we fear God, it means that we reverence God, we honor God, we are in awe of God. But fearing God doesn't mean that we don't still tremble at his presence. Fearing God doesn't mean we don't still shudder just a bit. This is why it's called fear. It's not an unhealthy fear, but rather a holy fear of a holy living God. This first chapter of Exodus introduced us to two Hebrew midwives who feared God. As such, the scriptures reveal that only one God is to be feared. The second chapter of Exodus introduces us to people who related to God in a similar way as the midwives did, but scripture doesn't use the word fear to describe the actions of these people in chapter two. Instead, in another place in scripture, it uses the word faith. Moses' parents act by faith. Moses acts by faith. And this text ultimately leads us to the object of our faith, the only God who also acts according to his covenant faithfulness. Just as we are to have a healthy, reverent fear of God, we are also to have faith in God. And our faith should show forth through deeds of faith. Faith acts because God acts. Our faith should work. James says it this way, James chapter two, verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. 
Romans says this, Romans 14, 23, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Faith and obedience always go together. And for the people in Exodus chapter two, they had faith in God for what God would eventually bring about in God's time. And so they acted by faith. They had faith in God even though they could not see God, even though they could not see the outcome of what they believed God would do on account of his word. They acted in faith. And church, this text exhorts us through the examples of these men and women of faith for us to act in faith with our lives too because God, the only God, is a faithful God, amen? This text exhorts us to believe God in all that we do on the basis of his word, even if we do not yet have what we hope for, even if we do not yet see what it is we believe. This text begins with the faith of Moses' parents. Look with me at verses one through three. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. The scriptures reveal that both of Moses' parents did indeed have faith. Upon a first reading of these verses, it appears that the faith belongs to Moses' mother who saw that he was a fine child and hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she made a basket and placed him in it among the reeds of the river brink. She's acting in faith. And Moses' mother is credited with much of the action, but don't miss the first verse about Moses' father. Verse one again. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. Now, I agree with Warren Wearsby, who points out that it must have taken faith for Moses' father to maintain marital relations with his wife at a time when the king's command is that all male babies are to be killed. They don't have ultrasound machines in this day. Moses' parents wouldn't have known whether this child would be a boy or a girl it was a considerable risk for them to procreate at such a dangerous time. It required faith. It requires faith to have children. All parents and grandparents and great-grandparents should say amen. It requires great faith to have children. There's a lot of uncertainties with children. There's a great cost to having children. Financially, there's a cost involved. I did a quick Google search. Today, the estimated cost of raising a child from infancy to 18 years old is $271,000 per child, and that's still before college. There's a financial cost, but I think most parents would understand and say amen to the fact that a financial cost isn't the 
greatest faith factor in raising kids? What about the, the stress, the worries, the watching the baby sleep at night, making sure they're still breathing, waiting for them when they get a cough or snotty nose or an illness? What's gonna be the end of this? What do I do? As they start to get older and make their own decisions, are they making the right decisions? As they go off on their own, as they begin to drive, I can't imagine what kind of faith that must take to have for a child. There's a considerable cost in having a children financially, but even with stress. Imagine having to do it in a time where you don't know if that child will even be able to live after birth. Surely Moses' father and mother had faith. It takes faith to have children. Each day with the child is a new day to have to trust God on their behalf and to teach them to trust God as they grow ever older. Moses' father took a wife and the woman conceived and bore a son and this took faith in God during a time when there was no way that this child would be kept alive if he was a male. But church, God makes a way. And these parents acted in faith that God would make a way and they were not afraid of the king of Egypt's command. Their faith overcame any worldly fear. Moses' mother looked at her baby in the same way that God looked at all creation that he had created and saw that it was good. He was a fine child. That's the word good. It was good. A gift from God. So she acted in faith by hiding him. And when she could hide him no longer, she acted again in faith, making a basket or ark, placed a child in it and placed it in the river, not knowing what would happen. And as we have heard read, God does what only God can do and orchestrates a way so that Moses is saved by the daughter of Pharaoh, the daughter of the man who commanded that he be killed. And Moses is nursed by his very own mother. Who else can do that but God? And when Moses grew older, just imagine mothers, the faith it must have taken for Moses' mother to bring her child back to Pharaoh's daughter after he had been weaned to become not her son, but Pharaoh's daughter's son. The faith of Moses' parents, it was a faith of action. Faith acts in obedience to God, even in the midst of significant obstacles. Faith fears God rather than man. Parents and grandparents, don't minimize the role your faith plays in the lives of your children and grandchildren. Don't overlook the responsibility that you have to pass on the faith to them. Paul said to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1 verse five, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. First, the faith of Moses' parents, and next, the faith of Moses. We look now at verses 11 and 12. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and 
saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Note on these two verses, this is an example of doing something in one's own strength. Moses attempts to deliver one of his own, a Hebrew, in his own strength. And we will learn and we will see that God's people will not be delivered in Moses' strength, but by God alone and God's strength. Notice at the end of verse 11, the text says that Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. You might underline that little phrase, it's quite important. Moses knew of his Hebrew identity, even as a prince in Egypt. By faith, Moses embraced his God-given identity. He was not the daughter of, or not the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he was a Hebrew. The Egyptians were not his people, the Hebrews were his people. And Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people, and struck down the Egyptian, killing him, and hid his body in the sand. That took faith, because what Moses did would not be viewed favorably by Pharaoh. This is why Moses hid the Egyptian's body. It took faith for Moses to not just know the Hebrews were his people, but to act on that knowledge, willing to give up his comfortable life as a prince in Egypt and suffer as one of his own. Willing to give up the momentary pleasures that the palace affords so that he might maintain or attain a greater reward to come with God. Verse 13 continues, When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses' action in killing the Egyptian had consequences. But Moses believed by faith that not acting had greater consequences for him. And so it is, church, that faith in God requires courage in the moment to do what is right before God even if it's hard, even if it will lead to discomfort, even if it will end relationships, even if it means charting a new course and sacrificing the things that we enjoy. We question whether or not Moses was actually justified in killing this Egyptian, but the text doesn't answer that question, and the text doesn't condemn Moses for this action. But what is clear is that it was a decisive action to save one of his own people from being beaten, implied beaten to death. Moses' intervention required courage and was costly. Moses' faith acted in a way that gave up his Egyptian comfort and made him a marked man on the run. Moses' faith believed in something better for his own people. 
not his pretend people. And Moses was looking forward to a better reward. Faith is willing to leave the past behind and follow God into the unknown and unseen, believing that God is there in the unknown and the unseen. The faith of Moses' parents, the faith of Moses. And at the end of this chapter, in verse 23, the text leaves Moses for a moment and turns to consider the people of Israel. And for the first time in the book of Exodus, having seen the midwives act, having seen Moses' parents act, having seen Moses act, we finally see God presented and revealed as acting, and in God's acting, we learn of the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of God. Let's read verses 23 through 25 again. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. In four decisive actions, God burst forth on the scene as one who is not absent, but acting in his time. God heard, God remembered, God saw, God knew. God heard the cry of his people for help. God heard their groaning because of slavery. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring their offspring out of this land and give them the land that he promised them. And when the Bible says that God remembers, it does not mean that God forgot. It means that God's about to act. God's remembering means God is now acting. God saw the people of Israel. He saw their sacrifices. He saw their need. God is not blind or distracted. And God knew what was going on. God was not ignorant of the plight of his people. Take comfort, Christians, and take comfort, church. This God has not changed. He may be silent. He may be waiting. He may not be intervening. But God still hears. God still remembers. God still sees. God still knows. And God, the only God, Acts. And this brings us to the Christ conclusion. As we look at how God acts to deliver his people from slavery in Exodus, we are drawn to anticipate and remember ourselves how God has acted and is acting to deliver his people from sin today. If you cry out in faith to God to save you, God will hear your cry for help. God will remember the new covenant established by the blood of his son as God sees his son and knows the cost by the cross on which Christ died 
and gave himself for us. God hears, and in Christ, God may be heard. God remembers, and in Christ, God may be remembered. God sees, and in Christ, God may be seen. God knows, and in Christ, God may be known. Philippians chapter three says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Exodus chapter two moves us to a question of faith. Moses' parents had faith and acted on it. Moses had faith and acted on it. God is faithful and God is acting, but will God's people have faith and act in faith too? Will we have faith in God in what we say and do? Hebrews 11 says this, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. God, give us faith over fear. Give us faith to suffer rather than to sin. Give us faith in the greater riches and eternal reward of Christ. And give us faith to endure for what we cannot yet see except by faith in you. In Christ, give us greater faith today. Strengthen us to obey. Remind us of how you first loved and first acted as the only God, the faithful God. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message. I pray that God would accomplish His purpose in you through the preaching, hearing, receiving, and believing of His Word. If you wish to share any comments or questions about the message you have heard, please call Southside at 256-353-8814 or visit us on the web at southsidebaptist.net. Also, make sure to subscribe or follow this podcast to receive a new message each week.